0: If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to John chapter two. That's Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, John chapter two. We're going to start in verse verse one. You guys ready for a word this morning? Yeah. Amen. this is what it says. On the third day, there was a wedding at Cana in Galilee. How many know that there's other things that took place on the third day? (laughs) Amen. Amen. I couldn't resist. On the third day, there was a wedding at Cana in Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Jesus also was invited to the wedding with his disciples. When the wine ran out, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. And Jesus said to her, woman, what does this have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you to do. Do whatever he tells you to do. Touch your neighbor. Say, do whatever he tells you to do. Tell him. Say, do whatever he tells you to do. Do whatever he tells you to do. Now, there were six stones water jars there for the Jewish rites of purification each holding 20 to 30 gallons of water Jesus said to the servants fill the jars with water and they filled them up to the bread and he said to them now draw some of it out and take it to the master of the feast so they took it when the master of the feast tasted the water now become wine and did not know where it came from although the servants who had drew the water the master of the feast called the bridegroom and said to him, everyone serves the good wine first. And when the people have drunk freely, then the poor wine is served. But you have kept the good wine until now. And this was the first of the signs, the first of the miracles that Jesus did in Cana and Galilee to manifest his glory and his disciples believed in him and his disciples believed in him Father we thank you for your word Jesus you are holy you are worthy there is none like you and I pray that today God that your kingdom would come and that your will would be done on earth as it is in heaven that your kingdom would be revealed to each and every heart in this place and that this would stir an excitement within us that it quicken even our mortal bodies to go after you like never before. Lord, open every heart, every mind in this place. And I pray that today, Lord, we would be conformed into your image and into your likeness, I pray. Through your word, in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen. Listen, before you're seated, touch three people. Tell them, say, he makes something out of nothing. He makes something out of nothing what's up CWC how y'all doing today are you good amen amen are you excited to be in church this morning yeah amen well look man I'll tell you I was going to be excited whether you were excited or not amen (laughs) amen no but for real so so I was thinking about this right I was thinking about excitement and sometimes I do this I just go on rabbit trails like I think about excitement and And how a lot of times, yeah. and how a lot of the times, right, our excitement is determined by those around us. It's determined by those closest to us in proximity to us, our excitement is. And that tells us this. This is the reason why, that it's a lot more fun to watch a game with someone who's excited about the game, (laughs) who's engaged in the game. It's not as fun. Right. It's not as fun to watch a game with someone with no interest in the game, not engaged at all in the game. It's no fun. It's no fun if their head is buried in their phone the entire game. And I say this just because this happened to me recently. Praise the Lord. <laughs> I said, I'll never watch a game with you again. <laughs> I'm in this thing, man. I'm in it to win it. You know what I mean? Like... But it's no fun if people aren't aren't engaged. But man, is it it's fun. It's fun when people are engaged and they are excited. And I was thinking about this, right? How excitement can be contagious. However, when it comes to the things of God, come on. When it comes to the word of God, when it comes to worshiping God, when it comes to living for God, I can be excited all by myself. All by myself, I can be excited for him. I don't need the person next to me to be excited for me because of what Jesus has done in me. Amen. See, see, my excitement for Jesus is determined by only Jesus. What he's done for me, what he's doing in me, what he's doing through me, I can be excited all by myself about the God I serve. Excitement shouldn't be determined by anyone other than. By anyone other than him, see, because it's him and only him who saved us, who redeemed us, who set us free, who, who healed us. It's, it's him and only him. He's the only one that can sustain us, satisfy and fill every part of us. He's it. He's it. So it's him and only him that I need. El Shaddai, the all-sufficient one. And him is everything that I need. So when it comes to getting excited for him, means all I need is him. Touch your neighbor, say, get excited for him. Get excited for him. Listen, I'm gonna continue to do this until we get super excited in this place and all you're doing is shouting me down the whole time. <laughs> amen, amen, <laughs> amen. But you know, I was thinking too about this too, by the way. One of the amazing truths about Jesus, this is an amazing truth about him. He wants us to know him. He wants to reveal himself to us. And see, when we know him, right, when we, when we know him, when we realize our everything is determined by him, our peace, our joy, our love, our value, our self-worth, our everything is found in him and him alone. When we, we realize that, man, we start living from a different perspective. See, Jesus wants every single emotion, every one of them to be determined by him, not by those around us, not by what others have done to us or what they're doing to us. Amen. Amen. But rather determined by him. So, so when we meet Jesus, right? When we know Jesus. When we know that he works all things together for our good. When we've tasted and seen yeah. that God is good. Yeah. Man, when, we, when we've experienced Jesus in a real tangible way. Then no matter what goes on around us. No matter Our emotions will always be steadfast, will always be built upon the rock of our salvation, Jesus Christ. Our our emotions will be determined by Jesus and, and only Jesus, which is incredible because God says, because God says, if I am for you, then who can stand against you, right? He says this, he says, those that keep their minds upon me. Those that keep their minds on me, not those that keep their minds on what others say and what others think and what others, what others do. See, I think this a lot of times we are so concerned with what others think, we forget to pursue what God thinks. Because we're so worried about what others think. And when we do that, then we allow others to determine our emotions, to determine our excitement, to determine where we're headed with Jesus. But God says, those who keep their minds on me, I will keep in perfect peace. Everything is found in him. Everything is found in him. And so when we know him, we will know what he thinks of us. We'll know exactly his heart towards us. We will know the plans that he has for us, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper us, not to harm us, to give us a hope and a future. And when we start living like that, we will live from a different perspective above all the, all the ups and all the downs. Just even kill with Jesus. Amen. Amen. How many want to live that way? I know I do. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Live in a place where every emotion, every thought, everything is controlled by Jesus, determined by Jesus. So without all that being said, are you excited to be at church this morning? Praise God. I set you up a little bit. I set you up a little bit. No, but I, I really am excited about this series that we find ourselves in right here at the beginning of the year. And I'm telling you, it's God's plan. This is a, this is a God thing. Amen. God designed us to be right here, right now, where we are. And it's incredible. This is a God thing. And look, we can have good things. Or we can have God things. Right. Now look, the two can be synonymous with one another. They really can, right? The good that we have in our lives could be from God. The good thing could be from God because what? God is good all the time. And all the time, God is good. So sure, the two can be synonymous. But, but here's, here's the truth of it. Sometimes the good things are just that. They're, they're just good things and they have very little to do with God things. Very little to do. And and listen, this is so sad, but so true. I'll be very transparent with you. Right? So I'm in church settings a lot being a pastor, right? I'm in a ton of church settings, ton of the time. And I've been to multiple church things and the things they are doing are good things, but they're not God things, but they're good things, right? They're saying good things. They're singing good, good songs. They're they're doing good things, but it's not founded upon God. It's just good, and it's, it's not God. And here's the thing about that. It will not last. Good things in and of themselves will not last because they have no ability to impact the kingdom of God. Good in and of itself isn't enough to bring kingdom worth to a situation. It's just not, it's not good enough. We've got to have We gotta have God things for the kingdom of God to be established upon this this earth and in our lives. Jesus says it this way in John chapter 15, verse five. Do we have that? I am the vine and you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, whoever continues in me, whoever does whatever I tell them to do, those people I will abide in. This is what he says. He goes on, he says, Whoever does this, it is he that will bear much fruit. And I love the next statement. He says, for apart from me, apart from me, you can do nothing. Apart from me, you can do nothing. And something that you, you have to pick up in this, this text is he doesn't say you can't do anything. But right? he, he doesn't say that because that would be an entirely different claim. You can't do anything because the truth of the matter is this. We can do things. We can do a ton of good things. We can build good businesses without him. We can build good buildings without him. We can even build a good church without him. We can do all these different good things without him. But at the end of the day, at the end of the day, if it's not found in him, then it will not last. It will not last. It will not produce anything of kingdom value and only the kingdom is not going to pass away. That's the the only thing. We can't do anything in and of ourselves of good that will stand the test of time. And so Jesus says, apart from me, right? Apart from me. And here's the main reason why Jesus came. The main reason, you ready for this? To reveal the kingdom. To reveal the kingdom of God is the main reason Jesus showed up on this earth. This is why he came. To make the kingdom of God accessible to us. You you gotta hear this. He he came so that the kingdom of God could live in us and through us. This is is why he came. And in John chapter 3, he explains how we we, we get to that point, right? James chapter or John chapter 3, verse 3. And this is what he says. He says, matter of fact, the two words, right, that we learned last week. We went over this a few times. Truly, truly. What was that? Amin, amin. That's the Greek. Amin, amin, meaning it is so and it is true. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Unless someone is born again of the Spirit is what he's saying. Unless someone is born again into the kingdom, they will not be able to to inherit the kingdom. They will not be able to to see the kingdom of God and not be able to enter into it. Jesus came to reveal the kingdom. This is why he came. Matter of fact, in Luke chapter 4, verse 43, Jesus says it this way. He said, I must preach the good news of the kingdom. I've got to preach the good news of the kingdom, for I was sent for this purpose. Amen. He says in the gospel of Matthew and Luke, right? he says in, in both of these, he says, when you pray, pray this way. Our Father, who are in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Your, your kingdom, your kingdom come, inviting God's kingdom, revealing to us how important it is for us to pursue and pray and seek the kingdom of God. This isn't something we preach on very often in churches anymore. But yet, literally, almost every single message Jesus preached or the disciples preached, it was about the kingdom, the kingdom of God. And we can do nothing, we can do nothing apart from Jesus that brings about the kingdom. Are you with me? Yeah, Amen. So look, as I was preparing for this message, part two, in our series titled, let me say it with me, Miracles, God Still Moves in the Modern. While I was preparing for this, the Lord took me and started talking to me about the kingdom. That's why we opened up there. About the kingdom. And he took me to Matthew chapter 4. Matthew four. If you have your Bibles, you can flip there really quickly. If not, I'm going to read really quickly anyway. So, Matthew chapter, chapter four, in verse twenty three, and it says this: and he went right, and he the he being Jesus by the way, and Jesus went throughout all. Come on, say all. all. Went throughout all of Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and preaching and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction among the people. It goes on, it says, so that his fame spread throughout all Syria and they brought to him all, say all, all, all those who were sick, those afflicted with various diseases and pains, those oppressed by demons, those having seizures and paralytics and he healed all of them he healed every single every single one of them and the lord revealed to me that the miracles are meant to reveal the kingdom that's the whole point of jesus performing these miracles to reveal the kingdom and we have to lay the foundation of the kingdom in order to go through the different miracles we, we got to realize the purpose of what jesus is doing it's not as if right jesus shows up on this earth and starts flexing his god muscles you know what i mean like like you can't hold me yeah that's that's not what he's doing he he came for a purpose he came on a mission god commissioned the son to reveal the kingdom and one of the ways he did that through performing miracles by performing miracles. And it's interesting because in this passage, it's, it's really interesting. So it talks about Galilee being the place. And, and Galilee was a, a very interesting place to me. It's a small place, very condensed place. It's the size of Connecticut. But yet it had over 3 million people in population in Connecticut. Imagine that. Praise the Lord. We think Tyrone's too crowded. You know what I'm saying? Like... <laughs> Three million people in such a small area. And the text we just read said that he went throughout all. Say all, all. All of Galilee. Preaching and teaching the kingdom. Now, the Greek word, we're going to Greek class for us, right? The Koine Greek, right? The original Greek for the word all is pause. Not like pause, stop, but sounds like that. Pause. And this is what it means. Are you ready for this? Yeah. It means... All. All means all. But not in like this dismissive way, right? Like, not in this dismissive way like, like I use it. Well, how was the carnival? Well, all of Tyrone came. Yeah, like, yeah, all of them came. Yeah. I prayed for all of them. Yeah. Just throwing it out there. It's not dismissive like that. It's not as if they, they didn't want to take the time to write down every single place he went. And they said, oh, he went to all, and actually it means most. No, no, no. Every single village, every single town within this city, he went throughout all. Say all. All. Galilee. Went throughout all of it. And I love how then it kept going, and it says this, that every sick person, they brought him, that he healed what? He healed all of them. Again, the Greek word, same as before, pause, meaning all. Every last single person that was sick or diseased or afflicted or oppressed by demons or possessed by demons, all of them. He prayed for all of them, and they were all set free, and all of them was healed. And this is what I was talking about about getting excited. Because you've got to realize what Jesus did. Understand what is happening and taking place in this moment in Galilee. He healed every single sickness. Before he got there, three million people were lost. Three million people needed to hear the kingdom. Three million people were hurt, hurting and broken and and busted. And Over three million people. And out of those three million people, there were many that were sick and diseased. And it said he healed all of them. He healed every single one of them. B.C., before Christ in Galilee, the people are busted. The people are hurting. They're broken. They've got pain. And then Jesus came. And then Jesus came. And the text says, all, every last one of them were healed and set free. Listen to what this is saying. Jesus literally eradicated sickness from the region evicted the demons that were tormenting the people. He eradicated it. There was no more sickness. There was no more disease in this time period. None. Before Jesus. Before Jesus, they were hurting. They had nothing. They were dying, not only spiritually, but also physically. And then Jesus shows up, shows up on the scene. And he's trying to reveal the kingdom. And so he heals all of them heals every single one of them. Showing us the kingdom, revealing it through doing miracles. And the people who benefited from it was those in Galilee. All of them were healed. All of them were healthy. All of them were set free. Because he has the name that is above every other name. He has the name above every other name. So E. Jones Charles says it this way. He says it this way. He says, actually it's E. Stanley Jones, praise God. But, but he said it this way. He said, Jesus is the absolute person and the kingdom is the absolute order. Meaning that the kingdom will always be established. Jesus is the king and his kingdom will have no end. Jesus has absolute authority and absolute power. He is absolute. So when his kingdom comes and his will is done on earth as it is in heaven, this is what it's telling us. This is what the scriptures are saying. That miracles will no longer be a rarity. They will be the reality by which every single one of us live when heaven invades earth. Sickness cannot stand. The devil has to flee when Jesus shows up on the scene. And in Matthew chapter four, this is what it shows us. This place called Galilee. He went throughout all of it. And he healed every sick, set free every demon oppressed and possessed person. And it's incredible because the people of Galilee got to walk in this and witness this for this time period. See, the Bible says this about the kingdom. There will be no sickness. There will be no tears. There will be no death. There won't be any of that. And the people of Galilee, what, God, what Jesus was trying to reveal was the kingdom of God. They were walking in it for this time. Completely healed. It's incredible. It's incredible. No sickness. No disease. Could you imagine that? Could you imagine that? Come on, touch your neighbor say, it's all about the kingdom. Tell them. It's all about the kingdom. It's all about the kingdom. Jesus trying to reveal the kingdom. By doing all these miracles. And what I find to be very interesting in John chapter two, what I find to be so interesting is how Jesus, he's revealing the kingdom at a wedding. That's interesting to me because I've never seen this before and I've read this passage, I don't know, a few hundred times. I've never seen it, studied it multiple times. But I never seen that he was, he was revealing the kingdom To his bride at a wedding. Listen to me, listen to me. Church, we as the church are the bride of Christ. That's what we are. And he's trying to reveal his kingdom to us by speaking and and revealing it at a wedding. We're We're the bride of Christ. We are the reward for the king. Each and every one of us, when we've given our lives to him, we're his reward. We're his reward. And here's what's funny, right? Because I was thinking about all this and, and, and the Lord was, was speaking to me. And I started to think about wedding days, right? I started to think about the wedding days and how they're all about the bride, right? Like, it's about the bride. It's not really about the groom. You know what I mean? It's about the bride. And I was thinking about this and I started to think about it in the context of Jesus' second coming. Right, The one where he returns for a bride, one without spot, blemish, or wrinkle. This is what the scripture says. He's going to come back for a bride that has been been perfected by his blood. See, a lot of times, man, we think God is coming back because of how bad the times are. No, no, no. God will come back when his bride is ready. If you want God to come back, get ready, bride. If we want to have him come back sooner, get ready. Not because of whoever's in the White House. Not because this is happening. That ain't gonna cause God to come back. It's the bride of Christ. I will return when my bride is one without spot, blemish, or wrinkle. But anyway, that's a tangent. But I was thinking about it in the context of the second coming, and this is what the Lord said to me. Although that's okay, it is one interpretation for sure. But the Lord spoke to me very clearly. He said, the moment you gave your life to me, the moment you decided to live for me, The moment you said, I will do anything you tell me to do, that was your wedding day. Because that day was all about you. That day was all about you. I came for you. It was all about you. It was all about the the bride on that that wedding day. Because that day you went from dead to alive. You went from lost to found. You went from from hopeless to hope-filled, from faithless to to faith-filled. This is is what he said to me. You went from an enemy of God to a child of God. You went from a sinner to a saint on your wedding day. He said, it's all about you. Come on, touch your neighbor. Say, it's your wedding day. Tell them. Say, it's your wedding day. Amen. Maybe that's a prophetic word over the single people in the house. Glory. Receive it, receive it, no. So Jesus decides to reveal his kingdom at a wedding. I thought that was amazing when he showed me that. I thought it was incredible. And what we find taking place in this story, the wedding is about to be ruined. <laughs> it's about to be ruined. The wedding day is about to go from good to bad, from pretty to pretty ugly, really quick, because they're running out of wine, and the wine lover said, amen, amen. <laughs> amen. They're going to have a bunch of angry guests. The open bar is shut down. It's shut down. And so the wine, it runs completely out. And Mary, the mother of Jesus, this is crazy to me. The Mary, the mother of Jesus, comes to Jesus with this problem. How many know Jesus got the answer to every problem? If this don't prove it, I don't know what does. Like, I have no idea. She comes to him and says, hey, they're out of wine, and I love his reply. It's classic. Like, okay, what's that got to do with me? Like, what do you want me to do about it? What's this got to do with me? And Mary's reply is to look at those around him and say, "Do whatever he tells you to do." A classic woman's reply to a man talking. You know what I mean? Like. <laughs> It's an atypical day at my house. I tell my wife something. She ignores everything I just said and does whatever she thinks is right. (laughs) Years of conditioning herself. But it's funny because actually while I'm reading this and I'm thinking she's ignoring him, she's not ignoring him. She's showing her faith in him. Showing her faith in her son, Jesus. Because, I mean, my goodness, I want you to think about this for a moment. The wine is gone. There is no more wine. It's out. There's no more wine. Because I think a lot of times we can breeze over this water into wine story. We can just kind of breeze over this miracle in light of all the other miracles, right? The raising of the dead, the, the, the healing all the sick. We can, we can just breeze over it. But I'm telling you, think about this for a moment. There is no more Wine. There isn't like a little bit that they could water down and serve the guests with. You know what I mean? Just to get through the night. It's, it's completely gone. They don't have the money to go buy more wine for all these guests. It would cost a fortune. So that's not going to happen. And so Mary goes and, and says, hey, they're out of wine. She sees the shame that's about to be brought on the bridegroom. Because it would have been a very disrespectful act not to have enough for your guests when you invite them, invite them in. And we don't know the backstory, by the way. We've got no idea about the backstory. Maybe this dude is worried about this all day and all night. You ever been in a situation like that? You're like, oh, I I pray they don't order this because I ain't got enough money for it. Like, you know what I mean? He could be worried all day long. Like, I know I got this many guests, I only have this many barrels of wine, and I I don't know what to I don't know what to do with it because I want to give my my bride, my new bride, which were arranged marriages, by the way. This was a great first impression or a bad one. (laughs) Praise the Lord. I'm gonna make a great first impression and I'm worried to death. I don't have enough wine for my guests and his, and his worst fear happens. They run out. They completely run out. And so Mary puts Jesus right on the spot, Jack, in front of everybody. After he says, what am I gonna do? Do whatever he says to do, right? Do whatever he tells you to do. You're out of wine, it's gone. There is none. There is none. There, there, there is none. But still, do do whatever he tells you to do. And here the, the servants are staring at Jesus, like, what the heck's he gonna do? For real, like what's he, what's this guy about to do? But Jesus is staring at the water jugs, knowing exactly what he's about to do. I mean, know that Jesus knows exactly what you need. Okay, right in the moment that you need it. There's nothing you're ever going to give to him or ask him that he's not prepared for and ready to give you. It's incredible. It's incredible. He says, go and fill these water jugs up. Go fill them, go fill them. They run and they fill them. It says that they filled it to the brim, filled it clean to the top. And after they do that, right, Jesus says, now take a cup of it and give it to the master of feasts so that he can drink it. The servants do whatever he tells them to do, which by the way, was an incredibly risky proposition. You know why? Because the water was stagnant. The water in those days isn't like water in our days. It isn't like today. It's not like you could go and just turn on the water faucet and have a drink. No, no, no. No, no. The water was poisoned with infectious diseases. If somebody drank it, it would make them sick, maybe even sick unto death. But yet, these these servants decide to give it to the master of the feast, which, by the way, would have been an incredibly prominent man in their society. Super prominent. And they're going to risk, they're going to risk because listen, back then servants, servants that would lie to a master, they would go to prison, perhaps even dead. If they did anything that the, that the master didn't like, that's how it was in their culture. But yet they still take the cup and they hand it to the master of of feast. And, and I was thinking about this, right? I'm like, how crazy is this? For real, you know, the water is going to hurt people if they drink it. That's why they had to drink wine. You know it is. And I started thinking, they don't know Jesus. They, they, don't, they don't know him. But Mary's excitement and her faith towards Jesus was contagious even to the servants where they said, hey, she believes, I'm gonna believe. This is what our excitement can do for those around us that may not even know Jesus. Call them, cause them to do whatever Jesus tells them to do. Amen. Let your Father in heaven see your good works so that you can glorify them. Let everyone see your good works so that they come after your Father in heaven. And it's funny because to their surprise, right, the water is now wine. The servants knew exactly what happened. Jesus didn't say anything. He just did his thing. He didn't say nothing. But the servants knew, and it wasn't just any kind of wine. It was the absolute best wine, Isn't that just like Jesus? He makes everything that much better. He makes everything better. And when I was studying for this part two of our message, right, and I was seeing how, how God was revealing his kingdom through the different miracles. I started seeing something about this first miracle that I'd never seen before. I never really picked up on it. Just kind of read it for what it was, didn't really, really let the Lord speak to me slowly through it. But something I seen is this turning water into wine actually revealed the heart of God. It revealed the heart of God. See, see, the Bible says He makes a way, He makes a way when there seems to be no way. They're out of wine, guys. It's gone it's gone the liquor store ain't down the street where you get there's not a sheets you know what I'm saying like it's gone it's gone and the water that they would have had to replace the wine that was gone would have infected the people and give them diseases it's gone. but when Jesus showed up to reveal the kingdom through this first miracle he made a way when there was absolutely no He made something out of absolutely nothing. He took what was worthless and gave it great worth. It was the best wine. It wasn't just wine. It was the the best of wines. He took what was once infected and he perfected it in an instant. In an instant. He took what was broken and he made it whole. see this water into wine story right shows us that yeah god can turn water into wine and that's really cool but that's not the full meaning behind it not the reason that they talked about it because in the book of john listen to me in the book of john where we read it there was a lot of miracles that they didn't write down because they couldn't fit it there's not enough paper in the world to hold the miracles that jesus performed so why did they pick turning water into wine then Because it revealed the heart of God right off the bat. Right off the bat, it shows us that that even though we may have been nothing, if we do whatever He tells us to do, He will make us something. It, It reveals to us, trying to show us that even though we may have been worthless, because of an addiction, because of a perversion, because of our life decisions, we, we may have been deemed worthless. But if we do what he tells us to do, he will make us someone of great worth and of great importance. This is what this water into wine story is trying to show us. Trying to show us that even though you may be infected with a sickness or a disease, whatever it is, If we do what He tells us to do, we will be perfected by Him, through Him, and in Him. Water into wine. We'll go from water to wine. This is what this story is trying to reveal. That He will make a way when there seems to be no way. The Bible says that He came to seek and to save that which is lost. He came to bind up the brokenhearted. He came for the sick, not the healthy. This is why He came. And this first miracle is showing this this miracle working power of God. Trying to reveal to us making something out of nothing. Taking something that was lost and making it found. Taking one who was a sinner and now making him a saint. This love that He's lavished upon us that we should be called children of the Most High God this is what the water into wine story is trying to reveal to you and me. And this should excite us, by the way. This should be really, really exciting. So that all those around us would see our excitement and do whatever He tells us to do to glorify our Father who is in heaven. We need to be excited about the kingdom being revealed in the form of salvation. It's the greatest miracle ever performed. Salvation. Trying to reveal the heart of the Father here. Water into wine. Sinner into saint. Broken into healed. This is the message of the kingdom. Of the kingdom. Go ahead and stand to your feet. So, this is what the kingdom is the kingdom is a place where the king has dominion Jesus is king he's king of kings and lord of lords he's seated on high in heavenly places as the the earth as his footstool he's the king and so wherever in our lives we allow him to rule and reign, that's where the kingdom of God is present, in that place, it's in that place, it's in the place where we make Jesus king, that he will do exceedingly abundantly above all that you could ever ask, think, or imagine. We've got to realize that the kingdom is trying to be revealed through us in the miracle of salvation. This is why we got to we got to tell the world. We got to tell everyone that we know about the kingdom, Father. I thank you. We thank you for your kingdom. I pray that every heart here, every mind that would be revealed to them. This amazing truth about your kingdom and we pray for your kingdom to come and your will to be done on earth and in our lives not in a vague sense but God in our lives your kingdom come so that through us your will would be done let all of us be in that place I pray I bless your people I bless your people in Jesus name